Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kim Boo, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Welcome again to Around the Writer's Table. This is episode nine in our uh, podcast on the five seasons of the writing process. And today we're going to talk about the season of harvest. Some call it Indian summer. That small, delightful season wedged in between the end of summer and the start of fall. And my name is Melody, a scout. And I help my clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and my book, Soul of the Season. And joining me today is Kimbu York, who's a romance novelist and former project manager who helps writers and solopreneurs find time, mojo, and motivation to create. Gina Hogan-Edwards is with me as well. And she's passionate about supporting women and finding their voices on the page and then from the stage. Well, today's topic, again, is a season of harvest. Um, For those of you who may be tuning in the first time, I want to briefly go over the five seasons of the writing process. So starting with spring. Spring is the season of shiny new things. Everything is awakening, our seeds, our story ideas are sprouting, Um, the visions are popping forth of uh, what we want our projects to look like and how we want them to uh, go out and influence the world. The next season is summer. This is a season of maturation. You've set the fruit and now it's going to develop and uh, the care is taken in overseeing your project and make sure it goes in the direction of your vision. Following summer, of course, is this season of harvest, the one we're in right now. This is a season of gratitude. It's when the harvest is ripe for the picking. It's a time for nurturing and nourishing. It's also time for rumination, and we're going to talk about that today as well. Following harvest is a season of fall. It's all about letting go in the fall. In our projects, this would be times of revisions, 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 cutting away the things that don't serve our project or our vision. Following fall, of course, is winter, the season of rest, where new seeds start to sprout, where we go inward and hibernate, where we uh, have a season of death and let those things go, fall away. That's time to begin again. So welcome again. And to start out, uh, I'd like it if Gina, could you go over what a balanced season of harvest looks like? Hi, ladies. Hi, listeners. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you. And as I look at this list in front of me of what a balanced harvest looks like, I realize 
I've got some work to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of thinking the same thing. <laughs> so I'm looking like, forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to this discussion about the balances and the imbalances, and you know, using this framework of um, the seasons to look at the writing process is just so fascinating to me, and really is helping me as we've talked through these uh, different seasons to see where I am and where I can um, find a little bit more balance or where I'm uh, sort of tipping off the edge, if you will. So a balanced harvest. Some of the aspects of a balanced harvest are um, giving freely uh, and also graciously receiving from others offering healthy, empowered nurturing, finding a sweetness and a satisfaction in life, um, being able to carefully break things down and ruminate, a real balanced care for both uh, yourself and others, being empathetic, being able to connect emotionally with others in a healthy way, Maintaining a sense of grounded awareness, being oriented to your surroundings, uh, being relaxed, if you will. Also being aware of uh, needs in, in yourself and in others, being attentive to what those needs are, uh, being accommodating and agreeable. And I see some commonalities in some of these bullet points, um, you know, a little bit different language around them and a little bit of different um, implications, if you will, and, um, and di a slightly different meaning, but definitely some connectedness, mm. uh, thriving on harmony, togetherness, seeing the importance of loyalty and security, seeing the connection in all things. Uh, that's an interesting one that I, as I was reading this list, thinking about what that one means. So I hope we get to touch on that. Being considerate and sympathetic, uh, grounded and down to earth, and also being sociable. So those are the balanced aspects of harvest. I'm going to jump in real quick because as you were reading this over, I think it's just really interesting. Uh, in the mornings, I pull a tarot card just to get some insight on myself and my state of mind. And today I pulled the Four of Cups reversed. And that is a message to me to... It's time to stop being a turtle, start um, building community and coming out in the community. And then we sit here down here with this podcast <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's alive uh, about, you know, being a part of a community and being social and finding connections with nature and with others. So I think this is, this is the message for Kimbu today. I don't know about you, but uh, it's it's really being repeated. I think I, you know, na nature's coming out and hit me upside the head with this one today for sure. Listen up, Kimbu. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm so good at listening to that too. Yeah, really, just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just, no sarcasm there. Yeah. None whatsoever, friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I mastered that in my life. <laughs> I think I'm laughing wide. with you. I'm just going to hop off. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> so uh, the five seasons of the writing process is based on the five seasons uh, 
as outlined in my book, Soul of the Seasons. And in the season of harvest, uh, it's also the element of earth, earth mama. And the earth is that connection between all living things. We are always in relationship with everything and everyone on the earth all the time. Um, it is comforting and disturbing at times that we are all connected. And you can see, uh, I do that. I don't know about y'all. Maybe you two can comment about this as well. When I start a new project, I'm planning that vision in my head. It's like this burst of how all of that is connected, how you know, this affects that character and this is all connected in one way or another. It just feels like a constellation and there are all these little streams of light that connect each other. Does that uh, happen with either of you? I think for me, when I am what I think a lot of us refer to as being in the flow, Mm -hmm. there is Mm -hmm. this sensation of both being completely connected to everything and yet sort of free-floating, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it Mm -hmm. does or not, but that's the best way I know to describe it. But there's definitely this sense of connection to everything that is. Hmm. I I think... what hit me when you were talking, Melody, and and I think relates to what you're talking about, Sheena, being in the flow, was the word constellation. Because you look at the constellations in the sky, and they're all very distinct stars or planets or galaxies or whatever's up there. And But yet, we are all connected in this universe. No matter how far in distance these things are, we are all part of this connection. So as, as you were talking, Melody, I was thinking about that because it does feel like when I'm writing, being part of a constellation, I, I know where the point where I am, but I can see the other points around me. And I, uh, as you guys know, I do a lot of science fiction and fantasy writing. And so for me, world building is a big part of it. And when I'm building those worlds, I really look for those kinds of connections and it pulls me into the story that I'm writing a lot. Hmm. Beautiful. I, yeah, you both described it really well. And, um, I definitely feel that I know when I'm in the flow mm. and just things pop. I, it's, there's no effort about it. That is one of the qualities of this season is everything is in its fullness. You are not in need of everything, anything at this time. And that that's where also the gratitude and the sweet satisfaction comes from as well when you are not in need at all at this time everything is coming to you and flowing out of you at the same time it's a Mm. beautiful place to be Mm -hmm. i want more of that please (laughs) yes please can i put in an order like Uh uh-huh i i i have to say uh, when I was writing this chapter in my book, Soul of the Seasons, this was one of the most difficult chapters for me to write. In fact, I wrote all really? the other segments uh, and had to come back to this. It took me over a year to write this. 
and part of it had to do also because this is also about the um, archetype of mother, which is a whole other complicated Dr. Phil that we will discuss at another time today. <laughs> or not. Can we not? <laughs> yeah. We're all daughters here. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. And it's the time to that we need to um, take the moment. It's like nothing needs to be done. The food, fruit is ripe on the vine. There's no more efforting in the garden. The only thing left is to pick the harvest and utilize it. And we feel uh, abund- uh, abundant and generous at this time for all we have. This is the place where we can give without condition to others because we feel so much of that fullness in ourselves. And uh, as women, this is a season we struggle with because we are natural givers much of the time and we give and we give and we give. Uh, You know, the first point is gives freely and graciously receives from others. That implies a balanced aspect of giving and receiving. We receive as we give. There is that exchange. And I don't know about you all, but when I give too much, my first go-to is give some more. I must not be given enough. I don't know what that's about, but (laughs) that does not serve me well. (laughs) And what I see on the receiving side is how uncomfortable that makes so many of us. Because we are so accustomed Mm -hmm. to the giving that the receiving is really challenging. So challenging. Absolutely. And we may be professional at our giving. Ultimately, uh, literally, I, I, I know and am related to people who will literally give you the sh- uh, shirt off their back. Um, and it's an expansive way if you trust in god or whoever your higher power is to provide at you all times that's a beautiful exchange as well but this season also is about giving equally to ourselves as we give to others so we replenish our cup along with others and when we recognize the imbalance to call that balance back into being where do i need to give more to myself okay so uh, uh can i stop you there sure Giving to ourselves. Can you expand on that idea a little bit? <laughs> Just a little bit. I know we're going off script here, but I need some clarification, please. Us go off script. <laughs> Shocked. <sighs> as, as the erstwhile producer of this show, I'm like, oh, going off script. Here we go. Yeah. Hang so, on. I mean, and yeah, this... give to ourselves. That's a great question, though, Gina, because like, what, what does that look like? What does that really mean? Like, what is... Yeah. Well, absolutely. And and this um, is one that I have struggled with, probably a lifelong struggle. Um, but I have learned to be more connected to my body. This is definitely the season about being aware and empathetic with your own body and yourself. And if I am exhausted, if I can't hardly bear any sound or the voice, you know, sound of someone talking, if I am uh, 
walking around like I did last night, depleted and confused and couldn't find the remote to turn the TV off for an hour. Um, oh, baby. <laughs> locating. It was in the bathroom on the vanity. Doesn't everybody keep their well, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are all clues to me that I need to give to myself. So in that instance, I needed rest. I needed quiet. I needed uh, calm. I probably needed a little grounding food. And and also, I reached out earlier in the day to Kimbu and said, come over and let's have lunch. Because, and we had a great conversation, very insightful, as we usually do when we're together. We shared a meal together. Great Another, food. Yeah, like if you ever get a chance for Melody to make you lunch, take it. (laughs) That's one way I love to nurture others as and myself. So, but you really have to know what it is you and your body need, and then give it that. Does that answer your question, Gina? Yeah, it does. And I'm just thinking about it in terms of, you know, us as writers and and what that, you know, literally means for us in terms of paying attention to our bodies. Obviously, you know, we sit at a desk a lot. We look at commu- computer monitors a lot mm-hmm. and we're alone a lot. And so I think that paying attention to to those things are just very simple, basic things that we can do to help us get back into some sort of alignment or balance, paying attention to those. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't always look like, you know, a spa day or, you know, a great (laughs) massage that can be part of it. But sometimes it's rigorously uh, tending to your own boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting you said that because when you were talking earlier, I really was thinking the word boundaries came up for me because giving to other people and then receiving from other people, that's the type of thing that can easily get toxic if boundaries aren't in place. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that. And it's really only out of that grounded and balanced space can we truly give without condition. One of the imbalances, we can talk about those in a minute, but one of the imbalances is uh, manipulating others to give to you without asking for it directly. Mm. Mm. and that's an unhealthy way to create (laughs) self-care based on personal experience of both doing it and receiving it you know no one likes to be given to with a whole bunch of strings attached to it Uh and so we can feel that it feels sticky and oppressive Mm-hmm. Um, and these are all, you know, take notes, listeners, because these are all great qualities to put in your characters <laughs> if you For want sure. to create yeah. some balance or, you know, cr- definitely create some interesting scenarios. So 
this brings up another quality uh, in in the season of harvest, which the core emotion is sympathy. And sympathy is that um, balanced connection between yourself and others. It's a level of grounded understanding. I, I know what you're going through. I can connect with what you're feeling. And when you're around somebody who's really balanced in this season, you really feel like they get me at a deep level. And that in itself is so nourishing. The lack of sympathy, on the other hand, is, again, someone who gives uh, with an agenda, uh, giving to get, it's been described before, and or demanding, demanding from others those things that you wish to be given. But out of fear, you fear you won't be given. So there's, uh, I wonder... I'd like to hear from you, Kimbu, about the lack of sympathy for yourself and your writing process. Has that ever come up for you? And what does that look like? Oh, you know, good and well, it has. (laughs) 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 Uh, Because we as writers have talked about it in the past. I, this comes a lot out of trying to be a professional writer, um, writing in genre fiction, writing romance novels. But I just when i launch into a story and i write it and then i finish it i have no sympathy for myself for the effort that went into that like i just i'm you know i i get easily into the grind mentality and so i'm just like well that's done that's over with on to the next thing and i don't have any respect for the time and the effort that went into that story and how much it took for me creatively to write. When I talk about having sympathy for myself, it always comes back to compassion um, in the sense of being aware of limitations and being aware of energy, which is not something I do. <laughs> I, I tend to try to be, you know, bull my head, be a bull and just, punch my way through the wall. Uh, But what ends up happening is that I end up collapsing my creative well. And, you know, I don't want to say it dries up because I don't think creativity can dry up, but I think our connection to it can wither. And so when I'm forcing it and I'm not being sympathetic to my own boundaries as a writer and I'm not... uh, being someone who appreciates the work that I've done, then the feedback loop is that that connection with her, so that that actually, it starts becoming like you were talking about earlier, the in, in the sense of giving, where uh, in this sense of not giving myself sympathy, it's less, you know, the sticky, icky feeling and just the dry, brittle feeling that comes over me. And... I can always tell because like I said, the connection to my creativity withers when I start just being so demanding of myself that I can't keep up with it and having no respect 
for the energy and the time I've put in to the work that I've done. That makes a lot of sense. You got any comments on that, Gina? Uh, I relate. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I do think, uh, you know, and we've mentioned this a couple of times in previous episodes about not giving ourselves credit for the work that we've done. Um, And I think that it is so important as a writer, and this goes for pretty much all aspects, not just having sympathy for yourself, but to be able at times to step, sort of step out of yourself and be able to observe yourself. I think that Mm -hmm. that gives us uh, an ability to start recognizing when we're not giving ourselves sympathy when we're not giving ourselves those moments of celebration, you know, when, when we're not being attentive to our own needs or attentive to the, to the needs of the others around us that support us in our writing process. Hmm. That reminds me of uh, a time when I was writing my book actually. And uh, many of you know, Gina was my editor for my book. And I had just finished a big revision. And so my usual response uh, when I've done a big task is next. Uh, And Gina Mm -hmm. (laughs) kindly reminded, you you really need to celebrate. This is a big accomplishment for you to get this far. What are you going to do to celebrate? And I thought, that is a novel idea. <laughs> celebrating, <laughs> taking a moment, celebrating, you know, my accomplishments and my, all my hard work. And so, isn't celebrating a way of giving to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and that feeds back into my own lack of sympathy or empathy or compassion for myself. Cause if I don't celebrate, I'm not giving myself any kind of reward for, for the work that I've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so Kimbu, when you get into that, you mentioned breaking the feedback loop, mm-hmm. um, losing that connection with your creativity. And I think that there are, especially when we're really pushing ourselves as writers, when we're, when we're maybe setting certain goals and, and we're so focused on those goals that, that they sort of overshadow the, the flow and the naturalness and the, and the spontaneity and the organic nature of writing. And sometimes that break in the feedback loop and that disconnection from our creativity can spins us into a phase of not writing. And then I don't know about y'all, but when I'm not writing, I get all these little voices in my head that start chiding me for that. And I start getting really impatient with myself. I start getting angry with myself. I start getting worried that I will never get back to the writing process again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, Melody, on your take of how um, that sort of not writing phase as a writer, uh, plays into the harvest imbalance. 
and vice versa. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you brought up a bunch of really good points. And one is we are hyper-focused in our culture on productivity. And we're taught that rest is indulgent. And, you know, I'll rest when I'm dead sort of mindset. And that is very destructive to the creative process to go beyond, you know, uh, end result is burnout. Listen to our last two podcasts on burnout because <laughs> it is such an important subject and we, uh, especially as creative people, suffer from it so much. Uh, what was the last part of that question? Um, just wanting to understand better the connection between being a not writing writer and these oh, harvest imbalances. I see. Um, if you're taking a rest, but you're not, uh, you know, you haven't brought out your inner Nazi to take over. And, uh, you know, I got an image once about uh, someone standing behind me with a cane whacking me on the back. Whack, 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 whack. And I said, stop that. And they turned to me and said, if I don't do this, nothing will ever get done. And how much I, in, I have internalized that message that I can't do anything without, you know, some kind of um, harsh criticism all the time and finding out that, oh, my gosh, I can be motivated to do things without beating myself up for it. Um, Actually, in my fullness and, and feeling abundant and satisfied and well cared for, all the stuff of harvest, I give more. And I want to give more because I have more to give from. So, you know, rest is another thing we're going to talk about in the season of winter and a couple uh, podcasts coming up. And what true rest and what imbalanced rest looks like as well. But I would say what goes on in your uh, internal dialogue and in your internal world uh, will give you some big clues on what kind of rest or break. Every Everybody needs to have a break. And even within this season is a break because, as I said, there's nothing to be done here. And the in five element medicine, which is an aspect of Chinese medicine, which I based the, you know, this whole process on, um, the season of summer or of harvest is a season uh, that includes the I, the organ systems of the stomach and pancreas, which is about digestion, which is about where the word rumination comes from. And rumination is the process where you, uh, just like the stomach, you take whole product and it's worked down into usable bits. We cannot take into our bloodstream tacos. <laughs> However much we might, might want to. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't go directly into the bloodstream. So the stomach's job, the pancreas' job, is to provide the next necessary uh, requirements to build that down into usable materials that you can keep your organ systems, your body healthy. 
And when we have completed uh, a, a stage, we brought something to a harvest, like a first draft. You know, I wanted to mention there's going to be seasons, repeated seasons of harvest throughout your project. But say for the first draft, we've completed it. That rest, that time away from it is the way for us to ruminate and allow things to be broken down into usable bits. When we go back to it later on, then we can say, oh, I understand this needs to go here and we can do this here and this. You understand where things need to be nourished, where you need to prune back. Well, that just segues us right into talking about the imbalances of harvest, since we've already brought that into the discussion. Kimbu, can you go over the bullet points for harvest imbalances? Yeah, I'm not going to feel called out by any of this at all. I just want you to let you know. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> right? Uh, so obviously, imbalances. We're going to. It's kind of a mirror verse uh, for those who are Star Trek fans. A mirror verse version of the balanced aspects of harvest. So it's giving to others at the expense of yourself, um, harming yourself by doing that. I always use the oxygen mask example you know, putting on other people's oxygen mask before your own, uh, smothering loved ones, uh, kind of a play on that overgiving, trying to do too much feelings of insecurity, feeling ungrounded, fuzzy thinking, gluttony, overeating and can't get enough of whether that's food or drink or whatever cravings. I've had no idea. I mean, we could just put potato chips as a picture there. I think might work for me. <laughs> starve self nutritionally and emotionally. So that's not listening to the body as Melody was talking about earlier, not being in, in touch with the body and uh, the mind and the connection. Stingy withholding nurturing and saying, you know, kind of the opposite of overgiving denial, rejection of your own needs, uh, obsessive worry, which I think feeds into what your original question was there, Gina, and certainly is something I feel when I'm when I was talking about that disconnection from creativity where that's kind of withered on the vine. Uh, I do. I like, just like you were talking about, I get worried about it. I get freaked out about it. And, you know, I, and I'm a productivity maven, you know, as the taskmistress, productivity is something I know a lot about. And so it's very easy for me to get really ground down into that hyper toxic productivity hustling mindset and worry about every single thing I'm doing. So uh, moving on, just manipulates others to get own needs met. Any kind of form of manipulation is toxic, rejects nurturing um, or nourishment and neglects yourself. Uh, then also discomfort with mature female body and finds little sweetness in life. And I, I was really uh, interested in that one because on the original list I highlighted in our notes for the show, find sweetness and satisfaction in life is one of the ones that I highlighted on the original list. So uh, finds little sweetness in life is, is a real message for me. So those are the signs of an imbalanced harvest season. So that list right there, it, it contains important clues for us to be aware of when we're getting off track in the season of harvest. If you relate to any of those I don't relate to any of those at all. I'm just cured. <laughs> Big fat lie. Um, but 
uh, and also the kind of nourishment you are taking in, both the quantity and the quality. And, you know, nourishing the body is only one level of uh, nourishment. Are you feeding your um, intellectual re uh, requirements? Are you feeding yourself emotionally and spiritually and sexually? Those are all ways we nourish and nurture ourselves. And yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there because I want to ask Gina, because Gina, you've worked with a lot of writers as an editor. And what what is something that either you recommend or that you've seen other writers do that would, is nurturing as a writer when you're working with writers, if that question makes sense? Yeah, in some ways, I think it's going to, I think, the answer to that question is very individual, but sort mm -hmm. of a general a general answer to that would be something that I've seen writers who are balanced pull off really well that those of us who get imbalanced can learn from is, um, and to, to get back to this non-writing thing, it's an intentionality about when we are not writing mm. because mm -hmm. I think that we need to give ourselves space sometimes not to write. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're neglecting our writing practice because not writing would look like putting your manuscript in the drawer for two weeks so that you can get some distance from it and come back to it with a new perspective and fresh eyes. It could look like one of my favorite things is doing a cross creative practice instead of writing, paint, doodle, sculpt, play with Play-Doh, you know, you know, any, anything that feels creative, gardening, you know, anything that feels creative to you, but that is not writing, just to give yourself an emotional and intellectual distance from whatever that project or that practice is at the time, so that you can come back to it fresh and refreshed. So an intentionality about not writing. Yeah, I'm really seeing a, a, a through thread here with the intentionality, you know, mind-body awareness, sympathy, compassion for self. Um, those are all just, like you were saying, Gina, like the writer who is well-balanced in harvest season can not write and not worry because mm -hmm. they're doing it intentionally based on their understanding of their boundaries and their needs and using it as a nourishment. Absolutely. Uh, and actually, so that's, that's really interesting. Thank you. Sorry to like derail us yet again. No, get at that. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> What's what we do. It brings up a really valid point though. It, and I think it's again, what we're doing with our internal dialogue, because those are all not writing, nourishing yourself, nourishing your craft. Those are all parts of the writing process. You know, somehow we've got it in our minds that pen to paper, keys on fingers on keyboard is the only, only thing that really qualifies as writing. Well, that's just not true. Mm -hmm. There's a great deal of time that goes into 
you know, allowing the, our vision to come into our consciousness and play with our characters in our head and, you know, do all that fun stuff. And that's all part of the writing process and caring for ourselves as individuals and as writers is also part of that process. Um, I took the day off the other day and went down to the coast with a, another writer friend <clears throat> and we had a writing session out in nature which was really cool. Um, shifting where you write or where you're, you know, engaging on these processes is fine. And also there's a time to not nourish. I read a, a story in my book about, you know, um, meringue, lemon meringue pie. And I love lemon meringue pie. Uh, and I love that first piece and it melts on my tongue and it's tart and it's sweet and it's smooth and creamy. And, oh, so I have a second piece. I don't enjoy it quite as much as the first piece. Still good. But if I just keep eating pie, it, it has very diminishing returns. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> even as much as I love it, I cannot eat it every day. Well, I probably could eat it every day. But my body would tell me that is not the best way to get my nourishment. So balancing where our nourishment comes from, balancing rest with activity, and again, being grateful um, for what we have already accomplished. Boy, that's one I really have to remind myself to do. Give myself credit for the work I've already done. Take a moment, savor it. Yeah, I did that. That was a cool thing. That was a big thing. That was a hard thing. I did that. So I want to hear more about nurturing and nourishing and would love to hear from each of you one thing you do to nourish your writing process. Gina? Y'all are going to think I'm such a nerd. I know. No, That's because you this are. This is a honey. nerd safe space. This is the nerdy <laughs> space. We're all nerds here. This is okay. We well, love I'm gonna give you, I'm going to give you the obvious answers because they're things that I've mentioned on previous podcasts. Things like, and I know you said one thing, but I'm cheating. Um, walking in nature, doing cross creative mm -hmm. things, you know, those are all things that I feel like do feed into and nurture my, my creativity in general. Um, but the one thing that came to mind when you asked the question, Melody, you were talking about how we think that putting keys, putting fingers on the keyboard or putting pen to paper is really the only piece of the writing process, but there's so much more to it. And one way that I really both nurture and sort of jazz myself up about my writing process is I do research because I love mm -hmm. to write historical fiction. And so when I can, I know that when I take the time to do my research and get things historically accurate, that that's going to be a much more enriching experience for me and the reader, especially the reader. And yet I find myself sometimes thinking that the research is like a bonus or a, 
maybe even a waste of time sometimes when it's not. That's really the thing that feeds into the richness of my writing. And so when I give myself the permission to do that, it feels very, very nourishing. Nice. I must be a nerd too, because I love doing that. <laughs> nerd, nerd safe space. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. that's what this is. <laughs> I, I'm actually going to leapfrog off of that because... I love world building and it's this is the same thing. You're you're world building, you're doing research on your world with because your world is based on actual history with the book that you're writing, as I know, set in the 60s. Um and yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, someday I'll remember that. You've only talked about this book for <laughs> oh, so long, and I just like, oh yeah, sometimes don't remind sometimes. me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh, long. yeah. I I left out the actual years, so mm-hmm. you know. Thank that's, you. That's, yeah, you're welcome. That's me. That's me giving to you. Uh, same thing. <laughs> uh, but when you said that, Gina, because I, I was actually kind of mulling on that question. I know it's on our it's on our show notes. I've had time to look at it had time to, you know, think about it. And I'm like, ah, you know, I really don't purposefully nurture, nourish my, right. but I do. And I do it through world building because I love world building. So unlike you, where you go look at actual history, I create the history. I create the backstory. I've got stories set with um, uh, history and backstory that goes back thousands of years. And I just love that. I've loved that since I first read Dune when I was a young girl. And it's just fascinated me. And I've just, I, I enjoy it. I have whole wikis just outlining everything. Uh, I'm, I'm going into, um, what is it, World Anvil, um, which is a world building tool online that a lot of science fiction fantasy authors use. It's very, very robust to build another world that I'm doing. And I just love it. It's fun for me. It's fun for me. And I've realized when you said that, Gina, I'm like, you know what? That really is part of my nourishment and building my excitement for my writing is letting my mind free. Hmm. Just Hmm. saying what, because it's not constrained by the story and the characters and the structure of the story. It's saying, well, why do these people wear red skirts? Like, what's the story? What's the history of these red skirts on these characters? And then I can just like go ham, as they say, you know, just go wild thinking of why, why would they be wearing red skirts? And, and so it's just so much fun. And I, I think having said that, I need to allow myself to do it more. I tend to, mm-hmm. like you, Gina, say, well, you know, that's, that's not actually writing the story. Like, I think I need to. Yeah, that's play. Exactly. Play. Like, that's just playing. Well, you know, playing is important. And that's kind of what we're getting to here with this whole podcast. This particular episode is, you know, finding the things that nurture you and respecting that and having compassion and sympathy for yourself and saying, yeah, if that's your version of Legos, then just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Absolutely. I hereby declare uh, Kim Boo the bigger nerd. (laughs) 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 <laughs> this is not a contest people <laughs> but you win all <laughs> <laughs> no. no. silly yeah and and you hit the nail on the head kimbu because it's all about knowing what nurtures us individually 
You know, I, I love both the things that you two have talked about and I, I, I enjoy some of the same. I was researching, um, writing is a bit of a historical novel. I'm writing something loosely based on my grandmother uh, who immigrated mm-hmm. over from what is now Ukraine to the U.S. in the early 1900s. And so I started researching about what would that trip be like and what were the ships like that carried people over and where would they have stayed? And they came over on a luxury uh, a liner and like, how could they have afforded that? And to my knowledge, they were not wealthy, but they had steerage passengers, uh, passages that they sold for $10 a ticket and carried many people to the new year- world that way. So that opened a hole, like, holy crap, that's really cool. So, uh, but that gets me excited. It, it re- reignites my passion. It um, makes me want to, gives me sort of like this internal energy to write more, to do more, to be more creative, which is super nourishing to me anyway. So um that thing, do that thing, those things. I also enjoy talking to other writers and I enjoy reading good writers mm-hmm. and observing how they do their craft. You know, oh, look at how they did that. Look at how they worded that and moved you from this place to this place. That was really creative. That's another way that, you know, sparks my interest and passion. So, Harvest holds an abundance of nourishment for all of us. I think it's really important for us as writers and creative beings to nourish ourselves in effective ways. We could do many more uh, podcasts on this subject, and we will come around to it again. Uh, But we have really covered a lot of food for thought today, literally, figuratively. And (laughs) if you haven't already, go back and listen to the earlier podcasts, and this will help it put it into perspective even more, because we start from spring and we've worked through all of the seasons. Our next podcast is going to be on the season of fall and letting go. This is when our inner critic can be helpful and help us know what to leave and what to let go. And uh, we're going to have a worksheet on our uh, page uh, next to this podcast. And it's going to have all the stuff we talked about, points of this. I think there's a transcript of this podcast as well going to be up there. Yep, we're going to have both on our web page for this episode at our website. So if you're listening to this on a distributor like uh, Spotify or uh, uh, Sketcher or... um, Stitcher, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> I think, I think we've, yep, yep, right. I think we've we've expanded my brain a little too much this morning. But uh, so if you're on a distributor like that, Apple Podcast, go to our actual website around the writers table.com, look at the episode listing. You can get to that from our homepage. There'll there will be the worksheet, it'll have the exercises plus um, an outline of harvest balance and imbalances. So you can check yourself before you wreck yourself. And we also will have a transcript. Usually the transcript's available a couple of days at the most after the podcast goes live. We try to get that up as quickly as possible for you. It's also on the same webpage as the episode 
page on our site. And so, yeah, so those will be available for people if you go to our website. Around the writers table.com. Yes, yes. Thank around you. The yeah. I don't mention, just go to this, some random website that I just <laughs> get the address of. <laughs> no, around the writers table, all one word, no dashes.com. Yes. And we'll include in, in this uh, episode on harvest is a fun exercise uh, on the season of harvest to do with your characters. So go check it out. Mm-mm. So this wraps us up. We've been at this for almost an hour now. I know uh, edited format, so listeners aren't going to get the full hour, but you're going to get pretty close. We got into a lot of things this episode. As Melody said, our next episode's coming up. We've got uh, the season of winter uh, for uh, writers is on the agenda. And we've also got one about community, building community, the importance of community. So those are going to be taking us through the rest of the year. As you left out into, fall. I left out fall. I did leave out fall, didn't I? Wow, you did. there you go. So we've got fall and winter coming up as seasons of the for writers, and then also an episode on community. So I'm not quite sure what order. Well, obviously fall's going to come before winter, but <laughs> bear with me here. Uh, we've got those episodes coming up, and we've also got 2023 coming up. So Ooh. yeah, I know because by the time this episode Holy goes crap. live, it'll be November. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> So uh, we've got a lot on our plate, but we're, we'll be here with you. And we appreciate you coming here to the table with us. Uh, this is uh, Kimbu and Gina and Melody signing off for Around the Writer's Table. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us Around the Writer's Table. Please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at AroundTheWritersTable.com. Music provided with gracious permission by Langtree. A link to their music is on our homepage at AroundTheWritersTable.com. Everyone here around the Writers Table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.